Welcome to Unfoldings, a podcast series connecting Melbourne and Vancouver dance artists in slow, deep, unblindly matched conversations. Imagined and curated by Angela Conquet as part of Dance in Vancouver 2021. This podcast is a partnership between Dance House Diary in Melbourne and the Dance Centre in Vancouver. These podcasts have been recorded on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh Nations in Canada and those of the Kulin Nation in Australia. Yeah, it's interesting because your name is Star mm. and Amara in, is an Arabic name and okay. it means uh, the beauty of the moon Oh, in Arabic. Wow. Yeah, we didn't know yeah. that. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And were you born? Were you born in in Australia? Like, what part of Australia were you born? Um, I was born in Colombo, Sri Lanka. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and I lived there for the first ten years of my life. Oh, wow! And then we moved to Australia, and uh, at the onset of the civil war, which began okay. um, when I was nine, actually. I mean, I think it had been uh, bubbling away, the tensions for, for for most of my childhood, but I didn't really feel them um, yeah. particularly um, yeah. as a child necessarily. But certainly there was a point when the riots um, um, hit Colombo or were enacted in the city and then that really changed everything. Our schools were closed down and... Um, well, there was just riots on the street wow. and there was no food and, you know, we were in this kind of war situation and uh, very soon after that, a year after that, I think my parents were like, mm. I guess many families who could get out of the country got out. Mm-hmm. Like we weren't refugees because we weren't in um, danger necessarily. Right, right. But we but were able to choice. migrate, yeah, to Australia. It was in the mid-'80s and... In the mid-'80s, Australia briefly opened its doors to skilled Asian immigrants, and my father was a lawyer, and so, um, yeah, we were able to come here. And my grandmother lived here. My mother's mother lived here, so we had family and we were able to come. We were able to come to Australia. So I came to Australia, and that was a big, that was, that was a big rupture in my life. And, um, I mean, I think the Civil War was also another rupture. Yeah. And I, I feel like this this event really, I don't know, I mean, I, I think I, I'm still working with it or, or it, it's part of why I make work or how I make work mm. or, mm. you know, it, mm. it feels like it's it's like an iceberg. Like I don't make work about war necessarily. Yeah. I don't make work about violence or, or, or the political situation in Sri Lanka, but it does drive me in some ways. Mm. Mm, mm. experiencing war like a lived experience of and when I say war I mean like you know because I was nine years old like my experience of it was like the adults all around me were extremely frightened yeah. everybody was having there was a, there's a lot of tension in in the room all the time right. when we, so when we came like into that. the room people yeah. were whispering and talking in whispers and uh, my mother was really frightened of my father going to work because we were hearing stories of like men, you know, because it was a lot of like these these mobs of men mm-hmm. being violent in a mob mentality. So they would like grab people out of the car and like pour petrol on them and light them on oh fire. Gosh. and Yeah, like wow. these kinds of incidents were happening in front of our eyes, like this kind of wow. fear of just being able, there was a curfew and if you were, you know, that terror. I mean, I actually don't know if this was true, but what I felt was that if I was out like past nine o'clock, like 9.01, I would be killed, you know, like wow. this, this kind of, I mean, I'm not entirely sure that's if they would have killed me, but, but you know, yeah. that, that, that we were all living with this kind of, I guess war just brings out this so much uncertainty in like, and, and this kind of not knowing what's going to happen next. And I know that as yeah. artists, we kind of, oh, I'm not sure what's going to happen next and failure mm. and uncertainty. Mm. But in that situation, it was just terrorizing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Mm-hmm. It, it, it reminds me in a different way. But when you talked about that feeling of not, of the fear or not being in control, like I had, I mean, growing up in, in Canada, I had a very, 
I would say, a very safe childhood growing up. And it wasn't until quite recently in the last five years or so that I had a, two really big incidents happen in my life that, that I know what you mean when you're saying that they start shaping you, even though you're not thinking about, you know, that you're going to create art about it, but then it, it ends up being that. And so I had been trying for, for many years to, to, to be a mom. I really wanted to be a mom and I, it just wasn't happening at a lot of losses. And, and then I, I got pregnant and our son was going to come and be here. And then we found out that he was going to be born with Down syndrome, which was a big, you know, that kind of carpet rug get pulled out from underneath you. And then he was born and he's, he's so lovely. His name's Sammy. He's this lovely little boy, pretty magical. And three weeks after he was born, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was that feeling that you were talking about where it was just like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. It was like all the, you know, and there was part of me that part of me that always felt I was going to be okay. But then everything outside of me was just like, I might not be okay. And I might not be okay for this little boy that's now my son. And so that was, you know, it took me, I mean, yeah, like 40 years to, to, to have that kind of experience of, you know, of, of this, um, the unknown or the trauma or the fear, all of that. And that whispering sound that you were talking about, it's Mm -hmm. like, I remember that feeling of like people whispering around me too, or me feeling like, like, like what's going, why isn't somebody telling me what's going on? Like, you know, that something bad is going to happen too. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's interesting that even though they're not the same, the same at all, but there's something that like the, when we have these huge human experiences that kind of, they, they do shape us. They start to shape us and shape the work that we do too, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I feel like there's, I mean, that's something in my life, but then I also feel like in my mom's time or my grandparents' time on my mom's side, we're from the Moose Cree First Nation in, in Northern Ontario. And so my family, like my mom's brothers and sisters, some of them went to the residential schools and that was not so far away, like from my lifetime. And yet I didn't, you know, experience that, but there's like, there's still a little bit of that feeling of, um, I don't know, it's part of our family history. It's part of Mm. those Mm. stories and that trauma that happened. And Mm. even though that wasn't directly my experience, I, I feel it still like there's something mm-hmm. there, you know, that I feel mm-hmm. that my grandma went through or my mom went through or her brothers. And so, yeah, I mean, all of that, it ends up coming into my work as well, too, you know, even though I'm not necessarily doing work specifically about that, but it's, it's hard to not bring, well, it's, yeah, I think if you bring yourself into the room, and into the practice, you inevitably bring all of, inevitably bring all of yourself, <laughs> you know, yeah. or else why are we even creating work? I sort of feel, you know, if it's not connected to that somehow, but. Hmm. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, maybe it's, it's, it's hard to say this about war or, or, or I think possibly it's different in terms of illness, but I was going, what I was going to say is that there's also gifts as well that comes mm. comes from like I don't want to normalize or you know genocide or or trauma and say that oh it's a gift that's mm. not that's not what I mean I mean but I do think that there there is such learnings and profound uh, insight that can happen through that maybe totally. and that, yeah. or, or, or or like it it's just I don't know I just feel like sometimes I. I see people in Australia where Australia, maybe it's quite similar to Canada, but mm. Australia is like, yes, so there's there's just this, it's now kind of, there's a lot of truth telling now, but for, yeah. for its white history, which is quite young, 300 years, yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, it was, um, you know, terra nullius. It was a la- empty land that apparently there was no one here yeah. before a white man came and or, or even if Aboriginal people were here, they, you know, there, there was no culture, there was no buildings, yeah. there was no civilization, there was no, there was no knowledge essentially. And it's only now, or in the last ten years or so, or more than that maybe, but really like that knowledge is being recognized and mm. articulated and 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 even even kind of considered necessary for mm. our future. And you know, so yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I lost my way there, but I just wanted yeah. to say that I also 
was diagnosed with breast cancer. Really? Um, In 2019, so a few years ago. Oh, wow. So not Um, very long. I was 20... 17 so my god very 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 close wow very close yeah Um, how are you doing i'm doing well actually i'm i'm in full remission or recovery um which is great but that was an extraordinary experience yeah yeah very like i yeah that experience is it changed everything for me yeah I think so too. And it's like, and because it's so recent in the grand scheme of things, like I I really feel, yeah, same. It's changed everything about me and I'm, and I'm still processing even what that means. Right. You know, it might, I might be processing that for the rest of my life. I don't know, but it's, but yeah. Yeah. Your your diagnosis is so closely, so close in time to becoming a mother. Yeah, it was so close. I mean, it was actually my midwife who who found a lump while I was still pregnant. I, I hadn't given birth yet, and and she was just like, "Oh, that's probably nothing, but you should maybe just get that checked." Like she's like, you know, maybe it's just because you're you're going to be a mom and everything. And then literally like the next week, my son was born, and I kind of just didn't think about it. And then it was a few weeks after. I was like, "Yeah, I should probably go get that checked out." And, you know, thinking it was going to be nothing. And then, of course, it that wasn't what it was. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it was very, it's very connected. And I think to my son, you know, even with his, his diagnosis, and he also had, we knew when he was born, he was going to have uh, to need heart surgery um, when he was about five or six months old. So he had open heart surgery when he was five months old to repair his heart. And I was telling a friend about this the other day that I had to stop my chemo treatments midway because I needed to be there for him to have his heart surgery. Mm-hmm. So we stopped for a few weeks so I could kind of get strong again to do that. And then we picked it up afterwards. But yeah, Sammy and I are very much, our journeys are so intricately linked mm-hmm. together. And I felt mm-hmm. like he was and is still, you know, like my my medicine, my my sort of reason to, to keep keep going and I mean he doesn't know anything he, I'm just his mom <laughs> you know he doesn't know that I went through all that and but yeah it was like from the very beginning him and I were very much these sort of really extreme life death kind of <laughs> kind of you know questions mm-hmm. and things to to think about and but yeah he's he's doing really fantastic uh, he just went for his uh, annual heart checkup and they just keep saying you know treat him like a kid who's never had heart surgery and he's doing great and I'm also feeling really good and coming up next year will be my five-year mark finishing treatment which mm-hmm. I mean as you know that's sort of the big thing right is the five-year yeah. mark so yeah. yeah yeah so it feels there's lots to celebrate lots to be grateful for and like like you were saying too like there is all the gifts you know and you never wish any of this on anyone mm-hmm. but but I just know so many women who've gone through it that, um, yeah, it's transformed their life too. You know, their way of way of seeing the world. Yeah. yeah. And what kind of what kind of work do you make, Star? What? So um, I would so contemporary dance is mm-hmm. so I'm a choreographer. Yeah, and I work with a company called Raven Spirit Dance, which is a contemporary Indigenous dance company here in Vancouver. And the work that I've, I mean, so recently, my most recent work that I, I just finished a few months ago is called Chapter 21, and it's a dance theater piece. And it's all about um, my journey with my son and my, my diagnosis and, and how I have been navigating that. And yeah, so it, contemporary dance, and I seem to also, I mean, I don't know, I, I think a lot of artists do this. It's sort of whatever you're going through in the time in the moment right so this last few years mm-hmm. has been this piece prior to that I, I did another piece called spine of the mother which was all about the idea that the spine of mother earth is the andes mountain range that that we share oh, between yeah. north and south america and my yeah. partner sammy's dad he's from peru and so i would be traveling down there at that time and learning from the elders there about this teaching of the spine of mother earth and i just kept kept coming back to that image it was just mm-hmm. kept sticking with me and so then I was like I think I might need to explore this a little bit more in a dance piece so we started working with artists in Peru and artists here in Canada and just exploring what that meant for that uh that connection you know energetically mm-hmm. and culturally historically all of that what is it this sort of energy that travels up and down the the mountain range 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then another piece I did was connected to seven generations of Cree women in my family, where I was spending a lot of time going back up to my mom's community and sort of reconnecting with that part of who I am. And so I feel like all the pieces sort of are these little snapshots into what I'm, what I was interested in at that time or discovering or wanting to learn more about. And I think as time goes on and you have a body of work to reflect back on, it's, I don't know, it's, I I guess it's maybe like writers when they write books or, (laughs) you know, or or that type of thing. It just, it's, it feels really, um, I don't know, it feels, it feels really good to have, I guess, to be at this point in my life where I can look back to and, and be, and this maybe goes also with the whole cancer experiences. I just feel so grateful to be getting older (laughs) you know it's like to to have to have this life to be able to you know yeah like what a gift to to be older and to you know be in different times of our life and to you know I look at my mom as a grandma now and um you know elders and I thought and I just think wow what a what a gift to be able you know my hope is to be able to to be there to be an elder you know in the future and so that's been a real shift for me too. I think, you know, I, I just think like a lot of people focused more on the youth part, right? But then mm. now it's just like the fullness of this time in my life, being a mom and and just seeing, you know, even my young nieces are, are here with me for a few days and just seeing them, you know, being the, the kids, right? And now not being the young person in the family, being mm. the, the auntie and the mom and it feels good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so do you perform in your own work? I have been recently like this this is this piece I just did is a one woman show. It's like I'm the only performer in it and I've mostly the last maybe 10 or 15 years been more choreographing for others with others, but this is the first time I've done a solo work like this and it's funny a few years well before I became a mom and before all this happened I remember doing some uh, research with with a mentor of mine, Alejandro Ronsuri, and we were talking about creating solo work because I just had this feeling that I was, you know, there was mm. going to be a solo piece, and and I said so naively at the time, I was like, I wonder what my solo work will be about. Like, what story will I tell? You know, this was before I had all this content, right? And then <laughs> and then now I look back, and oh my gosh, but but yeah, so that yeah, this is the first time I've done a solo work, but it and it feels yeah, it feels good. It feels good. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's different. It's a, I don't. Do you do more solo work, or what? What is your work like? Mm-hmm. Or group? Or both? Yeah, I tend to. I well, I you know, uh, I I tend to this year anyway, and this is post COVID as well because mm-hmm. things have. That's another rupture and change, totally. and uh, you know. It's you know how with cancer or with with civil war or with motherhood, there's a before and after. Yes. There's like before before cancer, after cancer, before yes. you were a mom, after you're a mom. You know, totally. um, before coming to Australia, after coming to Australia, that kind of mm. that kind of scenario. Uh, before, like it's like even I just feel like even if COVID kind of somehow disappears in the next few years, and there's vaccinations and it's like the world is forever changed by it. Yeah. Like I feel like there, there, there was the world we were in, and then now there's the world we're now in. And yeah, yeah. And so I've been really returning to my practice of improvisation in performance, mm. and I've been recommitting to it um, differently. So I, uh, I've been performing improvisations, and I've been curating platforms for improvisation, mm. and. Mm. The, the platforms that I've been curating have really, there's the, the values that I feel are really important is to create interdisciplinary, a space for interdisciplinary practice. And by that, I mean to invite sort of sound artists. You know, there's a long history of improvisation in music. And also I've been working with visual artists, particularly people that are into drawing. So mm. they will draw improvisations as mm. a kind of mark making responsive physical act and trace of the of the of the now Mm. Um, and I've also been 
Another value is that it's an intergenerational platform so that it calls upon these elders and bodies of experience, but also puts them side by side with more, with younger, um, with people from different uh, ages and, and intercultural as well. So that intercultural is, you know, really asking who's not in this room or who's not in this space, Mm. Um, but also intercultural as in like really looking to other dance forms like, um, not only contemporary dance, but like street dance and voguing and hip hop and Bharatanatyam and other forms to say, how is improvisation practiced here? And is it Mm. practiced here? Mm. Um, And trying to invite those kinds of practitioners into the room so that that the conversation just opens up from, or or, or the conversation of what is contemporary or how is contemporary is is opened up. Yeah, that's what I've been doing kind of recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been kind of loving that part, like just hear, just hearing what artists are doing right now, like with their time, you know, like you said, COVID is, I mean, it's been going on long enough that we've had some time, you know, to, to, to be doing something or, or even if it's just, you know, contemplating things, but it's, I've enjoyed that part, like just even listening to different conversations online that we've been able to have, like, across distances across I mean even like this right I don't I don't know if we would in the before times <laughs> you know before COVID I think everybody was so busy with different things or different you know I don't know if we would have had these kind of conversations so much across distances like I feel like we've been able to even when we're doing stuff with Raven Spirit like when we're starting to think about oh, who would be a panel that we talk about or who do we want to invite to come and be on this in this panel we're now really thinking globally who we want, you know, like, yeah. Oh, we know that yeah. person over there. We should call her or what, what, what he's up to. And, and it's just, it, it's very different. Whereas we used to, I think, see that more as where are we going to go touring, you know, and we would kind of think of it as physically going to places and showing mm-hmm. our work. But now we're just thinking about that in a different way. We're, we're doing a um, project right now, mentoring emerging indigenous artists and connecting them with mentors. And in the past, I think we would have, thought more about our pool here in Vancouver but but mm-hmm. now it was really interesting because it was quite seamless how it was just that we were talking to all the emerging choreographers and seeing what they were interested in and their needs are and it was so fun to just pick the the person on the planet that we knew of that we think would be a good match like it didn't mm-hmm. matter if they were in New Zealand or you know mm-hmm. eastern Canada or whatever it was and it so they were able to do a lot of things online this past year together and um, have made some really meaningful connections and relationships and I think at some point we'll hopefully all get together physically mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. it's almost like that's not that that's sort of the the bonus when when and if that will happen to be together but it's the work is still happening in the in the conversations that people are having having with each other yeah it's been quite a paradox actually in the sense of of how the world has opened up differently than mm. before Mm. Uh, to all of the things that you've just been saying about a friend of mine was telling me that she had just started working on a choreography with she lives in the UK and Mm. um, she's been working on a choreography with her niece who lives in America okay and in the United yeah in America and uh and she said you know we could have done this before but it never occurred to me to do this before and I think Mm -hmm. I think we all felt like that like why haven't we done this before (laughs) and it I don't know. We just didn't think to do it. And so, so I think that's been really amazing. But the other day, a few weekends ago, I was at a wedding and, um, oh, I can't tell you how good it was to just be with other bodies Mm. in someone's backyard, celebrating Mm. in person, dancing in the backyard into the night. Mm -hmm. I think we all were just like, because we've been in a very long lockdown here in Victoria. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're coming out of it, but like just that feeling of it feels so good to be with other people. Yeah. It can be a bit exhausting as well. And, and I don't know, it was very interesting, this, this COVID moment. I, and so I think we're all, we're all going to just be um, uh, reflecting on it and dealing with it for the rest of our lives. I yeah, think, a bit like, I think a bit so. Like, a bit like processing cancer, you know, yeah. and, or processing migration or, yeah. something a trauma yeah. we're just all going to be like um it's going to be at work in us I think yeah yeah I think so too 
I, you know, speaking of the wedding, I had this experience yesterday where I went to go see a friend, a colleague's work. She's at uh, Jeanette Cottowitz. She's showing some work. Uh, the piece is called Quay, and she'll be sharing it this weekend live with an audience. And she shared it during Dance in Vancouver as a live stream. And it was really beautiful as a live stream and quite moving. And so I came into the rehearsal yesterday to see it before the show. And I was so, I it kind of, caught me off guard how emotional I was, how overwhelmed I was. And I was like, so I know this material. It's not like it's new because I've seen it live stream. But I reflected on afterwards and sort of during and I was like, what, what is it that I'm feeling? And, and it was seeing, seeing and experiencing the three dancers, the bodies together in space. And there was, you know, maybe about 10 of us that were there in the Mm -hmm. studio too. And we were, you know, just seeing them, in that 3D space and, you know, and hearing somebody beside me, you know, gasp when there was this beautiful moment or, or giggle when there was this sort of funny moment that they were portraying. And and then there was this time in the piece where, where the dancers have just moved through a whole lot of energy and choreography. And then they just kind of all gather and huddle together and they just sort of are talking. And it's part of the the experience for us that we're just sort of hearing these whispers and glimmers and just seeing them laugh together mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and have, have, you know, put their head on each other's shoulder or just kind of talk. And I thought, wow, that's, that's what I'm missing is those moments mm-hmm. just, you know, mm-hmm. with friends or colleagues or artists just sharing space together, you know, just mm-hmm. sharing a moment mm-hmm. together. And it was, it was quite emotional. And, and I left there feeling really full in a good mm-hmm. way. And also kind of like, why was I just crying? You know, like crying tears of, mm. it was happiness, but also like a release too. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is going to be really interesting with the actual theater piece on this weekend coming up, you know, to have, because um, we've we've had either things online or audiences of like 10 people or, you know, half capacity, which still feels like a lot of people, even though it's not. And then now just this week, just... Um, Today, I think it was, we, we heard an announcement that we're going back to full capacity events in the weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what does that even mean or feel like, you know, as, as an mm-hmm. artist, as an audience member? I think a lot of us as artists say that we're ready. And I think we are, many of us. And then also the audience, though, wants to come but is a bit hesitant you know we're Mm. all kind of a little bit tentative and Mm. it's like how does that translate into what we're we're sharing and I think if we can all maybe just acknowledge that you know then maybe that's Mm. what it is for right now you know like Mm. rather than pretending it's not there (laughs) which I think Mm. this has gone on long enough with COVID that you know if it had only been a few months maybe we wouldn't have really had it embodied in the way it is now you know like Mm -hmm. we it would have just been that crazy time where we shut down for a couple months but now it's Mm -hmm. like like you say something we're going to live with and process for for the rest Mm -hmm. of our lives really Mm -hmm. for this this time in humanity I, I don't know if you felt like this with going through the cancer experience, but I felt like when I was going through it, I knew that there were people that were holding me and holding the space. And there was, you know, I knew that there were people I could, you know, check in with and and count on in that way. And with COVID, it's like nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> like none of like we've never, nobody's done this before. Nobody, there's nowhere on the planet that it hasn't touched. So it's mm-hmm. not like, I can pick up the phone and call somebody to get some guidance on how to Mm, go through mm, this, mm. you know, which I think is the, what I feel is a big difference from the cancer experiences that I felt like I could reach out to somebody. And now I feel like the whole world is going through that kind of same experience of uncertainty and questions of mortality and how, you know, and values, what, what, you know, all the different values, all the different ways of seeing this that people are seeing through different eyes. It's, it's very interesting, but there's nobody we can 
pick up the phone and call and say, can you tell us how to get through it? Because we're all in it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yes, it's true. I mean, I, I also remember speaking, because it's amazing when you get diagnosed with breast cancer, and maybe this is like that for other cancers, I don't know, mm. but breast cancer seems to, like, you know, it's really women's business. I mean, I know yeah. that sometimes men get diagnosed as well, but it's it's really ma- the majority of women. And so there feels like what happened for me was that a lot of people came because I spoke about it very openly. Mm. There were some members of my family, and I'm not sure how this works in your community, but in my cultural community, there are, there were some people that were like, don't tell anyone, like don't talk mm-hmm. about it. Mm. I'm not sure it comes like of a shame, but mm. there's there's these feelings of like, I, I don't know where that's coming from, but like, just don't mm. talk about it. Don't tell anyone. Um, you'll yeah. get through, like, listen to the doctors, you'll get through it. And, and I think also like, maybe like, like, don't, I mean, no one actually said this, but I have a feeling like, don't like mess with the spirit world or like, mm-hmm. don't call, like, don't, you know, sometimes my mother will be like, you know, if you, if, if you, if you get something good, like don't tell people because because uh, you get all this like dark energy and jealousy projected onto mm-hmm. you, like so the gods will be you know the gods will be yeah, angry or something, it like, up or something, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, something has somehow. And I felt like this with the breast cancer when the the people were like, don't talk about it. It's like don't stir up the the dark energies or some or something. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I have, to, I have to talk about this. I yeah. want to talk about this. And I am also rendered in, incapacitated for a year. And I'm not going to call my communities and say, make up another story when I yeah. have to say to them, I can't do that project because I, I, I'm doing chemotherapy. And also people will, will like, I'm not going to wear a wig and I'm not, like, yeah. I just need to be, and I don't think that this needs to be not spoken about. Yeah, it doesn't need um, to be hidden, right? It doesn't need to be yeah. hidden. And mm. and I'm not, ash- like I haven't done anything wrong to, to mm. get, you know, get this diagnosis. And yeah. so when I started talking about it, of course, I had a lot of people come to me and say, oh, you know, my sister-in-law had breast cancer or my mother or yeah. my, you know, everyone knows someone. Sort totally. Of. And there's it's a secret business that gets passed from woman to woman, like, and now I'm in a position where, you know, friends go, oh, someone's got diagnosed. Can I get them to call you? And it's right? like, of course. I know, totally. Of course, can, is, yeah. of course they can call me. Like I'm also now on the other side and available to speak to. I mean, I'm not going to say, sorry, I'm too busy to talk to, no, to the person. No, it is. It's, just it's been, true. Like it's you like you, it. you have a service that you that yeah. was given to you and now you get to pass you know you, if they want you get to say this was my experience and yeah. here's things that I would do differently or but but I do think that in terms of COVID and what you were saying I do think there are okay we haven't lived through COVID but we have lived through plagues yes yeah in the past and yeah. and and bacterial infections and I I mean there's still dengue fever in um, Sri Lanka so uh-huh. There's still malaria in parts of the world that are killing people and SARS in Asia. And so I do think that maybe we don't have that kind of immediate history. Like there's, oh, my cousin had breast cancer. Yeah. You know, we don't have that. But we do have literature and Mm. stories and like Albert Camus, he wrote a book called The Plague, I think. Yeah. So like those, that's true. Those kind of things to reference and. Yeah, I, I I read something early on and it keeps with me and I think it's sort of something that keeps me hopeful, <laughs> you know, is is that idea that with with pandemics and plagues and things like this, they do have a, a, a cycle, right? There's like a, a duration of time and, and depending on what you're looking at, how long that would be, right? But, you know, let's say if uh, I think with this pandemic, they're saying around two years, right? So it's like, I think if we would have known that or thought about that at the very beginning that wouldn't have been helpful maybe (laughs) for people to know that but now that time has gone on it's like there's okay yeah things like everything in nature it will evolve and and transmute and trans and transform and become what it will become and I think there's something hopeful in that you know, we're, we're not necessarily, we're, we're certainly not out of it and we don't know where it will go, but there is something bigger than all of us too, like in the history of 
the world and our planet and as you said like all these other different things that have happened uh, plagues and stuff like that it's just I guess living where we're still so in it that it's hard to have perspective right when we're when we're in and it. I think that we um we have had such different ex- around the globe. We've had such different experiences yes. of this pandemic. I know we all sh- it was a global pandemic, but I was actually in. Um, I was doing uh, for the whole of last year. I was in a collaborative process with a dancer in Chennai, in India. Okay, and um, we were working on Zoom, of course, because mm. I couldn't go there and she couldn't come here. Yeah, and. Yeah, it was amazing. Her name is Preeti Athreya, and it was amazing speaking to Preeti quite regularly. So living in Chennai, I mean, at one point Preeti said to me, I just know so many people who have died of COVID. And that has not been my experience here in Australia. Yeah. There have been deaths, but not like in India. And I personally don't, I know a few people, but they're quite, that have died from COVID, but they're not close to me or it's like reading the news, you know, there's a distance yeah. uh, somehow. But but I just remember her, the tone of her voice when she said, so many people around me are di- have died. Wow. And yeah, it really struck me how different her experience, how different our experiences are of this, mm-hmm. of, of this, of this virus. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, I brought something to read to you um, oh, that nice. had, that came out of that. So the the it was a research residency with Critical Path, who are okay. a organization in Sydney. Okay, and the plan was that I would go to Sydney and I would work there from their beautiful studios right by the harbour. I never <laughs> I never got there to Sydney, oh. um, and I worked from my room and home and and but we were really looking at so the the research was about inheritance. It was about inheritance through trace through objects that we find mm. in our homes, mm. and how these objects how we how the things that we live with and move with and are part of our everyday lives how they how we can interact with them and we were we we were thinking of of making collections of gestures that that mm. come you know because there's collections of objects in museums and galleries and we were like working on collections of gestures and we were also working on sort of how and we were working on hyper objects so like scores are a hyper object or stories or songs mm. and doing this research and I and our, and we would have these conversations because one of the one of the materials of dancing that came about I mean it was there before COVID but particularly during COVID was conversation uh-huh. uh, like we're having now you know it's it's it so many of my dance project tipped towards the conversational form uh-huh. and I recorded these conversations that I was having not just with Preeti but also with another artist based in Berlin Paula Kramer okay. and a Sydney-based artist based in um, in the UK at the time Shivanjani Lal and oh. we were all kind of somehow working with objects in one way or another and and then I um, listened to these conversations that we had and made these transcriptions. And out of the transcriptions, I edited um, what I called a song and I created mm-hmm. these songs from from the things that we said to each other. Oh, how beautiful. And I, and I brought a song to um, – oh. I'm not going to sing. It's not a song to sing, but it's a spoken song. Beautiful. May I, may I, I read to you? I would love to. Yeah, thank bit? you. It's, it's a little bit long, so I might just read – I'll just read a bit. Um, sure. That was always the only agenda, to talk together, to be together. That was the goal and the destination. We began with an object, a word, amrit, which means nectar in Sanskrit. The sweet syrup the gods of India are always drunk on. Immortality is just a word, a word that shines like brass polished by the hands of my mother and my grandmother and her mother before her. Amrit, a drink, a miracle, a medicine, a red body. We drank the holy water and journeyed on. It was sweet and bitter at the same time. When we put our hands in our pocket, we found a netsuke, a hair with amber eyes carved in ivory. To the rising merchant class of Japan, who were not allowed to wear jewellery, 
the Netsuke were once indispensable. That is, until the introduction of the cigarette when this miniature art became obsolete. And like the cigarette, the Netsuke fits so neatly into the palm of one's hand. It pulled us into the world within a word with a centrifugal force. Once upon a time, a king walked through the palace gardens and passed by the youngest queen's apartments. She was a fine singer. Her voice in song called to him in breath, in air, in sound, carved in flight. We met across four time zones, a diagonal line carved on a map, a map that contained all our sunlit homes. Our rooms with all their objects are physical and visual and sonic and material. The whole body and the chair, the whole body and the water jug, the whole body and zoom. Here we meet in a landscape of us. Here we did not meet the weather. Is this global pandemic the last step before paradise? Mm. Mm. What is paradise? It is the memory of an experience we never had. This year we had all expected many things to happen, mainly like Rama to travel, from the city to the port to the base of the hills. But like Sita, we were kidnapped, clutched away and held hostage until we became homesick in our own homes. The Ramayana is an ancient Indian epic narrative and it portrays ideal characters. 24,000 metric verses which outline the ideal father, the ideal son, the ideal mother, the ideal wife, the ideal servant, the ideal king, the ideal war and the ideal victory aided by an army of monkeys. Every Friday when we were a child, We'd go with our father to somebody's house and hear the uncles share the story of the Ramayana. And we didn't really understand what was happening, only that we didn't like hot and crowded rooms. Then we grew up and left home and did other things and periodically came back. One day, dressed in a sari, we sat on the floor of a crowded house and listened again to the old stories and understood. We finally met the material of the words. And the old stories told us to stop chasing ideas, rather to wait for them to appear. To not plan the stories we want to tell, but to find them. The ancient world is orderly, not chaotic. But its order is not imposed by humans. The true laws, ethical, aesthetic, scientific, are not imposed by any authority, above or below but exist in things and are to be found by listening to them. I'll stop there. Wow. Thank you so much. What a gift. Oh, thank you. feels like a, I mean, what a yeah, beautiful gift. Even just this time of the, the night when most people are asleep. I feel like that's just such a beautiful, like a bedtime story that I'm going to be able to go drift off to. And, and it really, I feel, yeah, thank you for sharing that. But I really felt the, the, um, the richness of the conversations that you all would have been having, having together, you know, over, over time. And that really, it, I mean, that's, it takes time to have those kind of conversations. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen quickly, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really such a pleasure to have the conversations and then, re-listen to the conversations mm. and it took me so much time to transcribe them yeah. as well like just sitting in libraries and like writing down everything we said and then going through them and and distilling them into another form which is yes yeah through which the kind of through the the process of dis it's like making a perfume isn't it like you yeah gather like so many flowers and then go through this process of like real distillation to like get one small 10 milliliter bottle of uh -huh. um, rose oil or jasmine oil or whatever it is. Totally. Um, it felt like that, you know. That's what it felt like hearing, hearing that, hearing and hearing the words and receiving it. It was, it was like the, every sentence was just this like rich explosion of, you know, imagery and, and, and sensations and feelings and, and, uh, that yeah when you're talking about getting distilled down to the essence it was like each word 
meant meant so much like and, and brought so much imagery too that's beautiful mm-hmm. thank you mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel like it 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 has uh i don't know there were connected to many of the threads of our conversation too which is beautiful how that happens too yeah yeah, yeah. it was uh, <laughs> yeah for, for a while during our conversation i thought oh this is not really i don't know like it like maybe Will I share it? Won't I share it? You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, maybe it doesn't need, but it just sort of wound its way. Yeah. No, I love that. But do you do you sing? Do you is there a uh, do you sing to your son? I was just going to say I'd love to hear you sing. I don't know why. Oh, thank you. I do <laughs> sing to my son. Let's see what would I share. Hmm. That seems to want to come. Hmm. Oh, there's lots of different songs that come through, right? That want to come, but let's see. In this moment, hmm, I feel like well, I'm in my I'm in my son's room, and there's there's drums here, so I'm gonna go grab a drum that I'll sing okay. with. Yeah, this room that I'm in, his bedroom is actually was our meditation room for many years, and I would I would sit in here and I would I would pray a lot of, about him or wanting to you know become a mom and yeah so it, it's very much a little boys room now but there's still some things in here like our drums are still here and mm-hmm. um we have some yeah there's some important things here like we've got um there's some eagle feathers and a goose wing from my grandma's community and different pieces from peru where his grandparents are from so it's a little boys room but there's definitely lots of uh lots of energy here too from when it was a meditation room and yeah and this is this is one of my favorite drums it's a seal drum mm. created by a really beautiful elder George Two Eagles who has now passed away to the ancestral realm a couple years ago but he created this drum for me and it reminds me of a full moon actually like it looked it just looks yeah. like the you know the coloring on it and I yeah, yeah. I never um I never felt that I wanted to paint it. Like it just, the color of it just was really beautiful as the moon. Yeah. So I think I'll So sing. is it made from seal skin? Yeah, it's made from seal skin. And, um, and that's the back there. And oh, what's wow. really beautiful about about this drum, because a, a lot of drums are, it'll be more common made out of deer or elk or sometimes moose or, but this one coming from the coast too it's it's quite wet here like in and um and you often have to heat up your drums um so that they they sound good but the the nice part about the seal i guess it's just having that skin from the water mm. too is that she always sounds really really nice <laughs> yeah, up, yeah. whatever even if it's cold or or damp or whatever so so that's nice and just for the listeners i just want to say that at the back of the drum has this amazing weave to it mhm yeah you the know, way that like he, this the it's, it's like it. there's there's all these um places for your hands to to go to hold it mm-hmm. yeah yeah what what kind of um is that rope or yeah it's well it's sinew it's so it's part of the hide and he he oh. would have this would all have been wet like and then he would mm. have he would have strung it and then it would dry together and it would yeah and then they and he he yeah he did such a great job he because it's such a good play, way to hold it. Yeah. Yeah, and we have a few different drums that he that he. So that's a, the sinew of the seal as yeah. well. That's yeah. the whole thing is made out of yeah, seal. Yeah, the whole thing Skin. is out of seal. Of seal, yeah. And yeah, and then the the drumstick. This was from another elder, uh, Dave, who made this with with beading. You'll see the the beading, yeah. and right away I saw it because it was all the blue and white colors, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah that kind of reminded me of water, and so it felt like that matched the. The seal drum <laughs> yeah well i think the song that seems to be coming through is some hmm, a, a woman's traveling song and i feel that this is a song that yeah that we often sing when we're about to begin a, a journey together or sometimes when people are getting ready to complete a time together and and sending people off on in a good way and yeah, so this is, it feels like the one that wants to come through. I've also been told that this song sometimes is like a, like a woman's lullaby song too for their, for their children too, also to send them on, on a good way. But yeah, the, it's funny songs like that too, right? They can be, mean many different things and they're all, they're all true. You know, I've heard it be a traveling song, a woman's warrior song, a lullaby song. And I feel like they're all aspects of, who we are as women 
you know, and at different times we're that mama bear <laughs> and at different times we're preparing, you know, to get to get going on a journey together. So yeah, I'll sing this song. series bringing together dance artists from Melbourne and Vancouver. If you enjoyed this conversation, please check out all five episodes of this podcast series and spread the word. Unfoldings is a collaboration between Dance House Diary in Melbourne and the Dance Centre in Vancouver, with support from the Canadian Consulate in Sydney, Australia, Australia Council for the Arts and Dance House Melbourne.